Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Greetings and welcome to the NeoVasc Incorporated second quarter 2020 earnings call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. A brief question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. It is now my pleasure to introduce your host, Mr. Mike Cavanaugh, Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us today. Earlier today, NeoVast Incorporated released financial results for the quarter ended June 30, 2020. The release is currently available on the investor section of the company's website at www.neovask.com slash investors. Fred Colin, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Chris Clark, Chief Financial Officer, will host this afternoon's call. Before we get started, I would like to remind everyone that management will be making statements during this call that include forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable security clause, which are made pursuant to the safe harbor provisions of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995 and Canadian Securities Laws. Any statements contained in this call that are not statements of historical facts should be deemed to be forward-looking statements. All forward-looking statements, including without limitation, our examination of historical operating trends, expectations regarding coverage decisions, pricing and enrollment matters, and our future financial expectations and results are based upon current estimates and various assumptions. Words such as expect, outlook, will, should, continue, strategy, potential, intend, try, believe, plan, and similar words or expressions are meant to identify forward the these statements involve material risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those anticipated or implied by these forward-looking statements. Accordingly, you should not place undue reliance on these statements. For more information on risks and uncertainties related to these forward-looking statements, please refer to the cautionary statements regarding forward-looking statements and risk factors sections of NeoVast's annual report on Form 20F and the discussion in NeoVast. MCNA, which are available on Edgar Cedar. The information provided in this conference call speaks only to the live broadcast today, August 6, 2020. NeoVast disclaims any intention or obligation, except as required by law, to update or revise any information, financial projections, or other forward-looking statements, whether because of new information, future events, or otherwise. I will now turn the call over to Fred. Thank you, Mike, and good afternoon, everyone. NeoVast delivered another solid quarter despite the challenges of the global COVID-19 pandemic, making good progress in all four of our value creation strategies. Continuing the balance sheet cleanup and regaining market capitalization compliance with the NASDAQ stock exchange. On June 4, we completed a $5 million convertible debt mode issuance 
On June 16, we closed an $11.5 million equity offering priced at the market, and on June 25, we announced that we had regained compliance with all the NASDAQ continuing listing requirements. We used the proceeds of the debt and equity raises to retire the remaining 2017 notes, and we now have cash to fund operations through to mid-October under better terms for the company. These were very important steps that allow Neovast to focus on the execution of our four value creation strategies. As we announced last month, we achieved revenues of $284,000 in the second quarter of 2020, obviously heavily impacted by the virus situation in the second quarter, in the second half of March, in April, and in May. While we saw a near cessation of elective procedures beginning in March 2020 due to the COVID-19 situation, we noted that reduced implants in Europe recovered sharply in June. We expected a gradual recovery in reducer volumes beginning in the second half of the quarter, but the recovery started a little later in the quarter. It was, however, also more rapid than we anticipated. It is important to note that while reduced implant procedures are considered elective, many patients are suffering severe pain and other associated serious life-impacting symptoms from refractory angina, and we believe the underlying strength of the business, coupled with the backlog of delayed implantations, will continue to drive volume growth in the second half of 2020. Provided the COVID-19 virus situation, in particular in Europe, does not worsen again. We saw strong monthly worldwide implants in June, and while Germany continues to be the largest market for reducer, Italy, Austria, Switzerland, and the Netherlands all continue to show rising implant volumes. In our DAC region, consisting of Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, we actually reached our original pre-COVID-19 implant and revenue targets. The dock geography is particularly important to Neovast, given the strong margins our direct sales force provides in Germany. Late in the quarter, the reducer was featured in a session at the PCR e-course entitled Current Evidence for the Interventional Treatment of Inoka. According to the course organizers, this session about microvascular dysfunction was the single most viewed presentation in its group and nearly tripled the average number of viewers compared to other sessions in the category. The tremendous response is evidence of the strong interest in a therapy for refractory angina. For the third quarter, we are seeing the strengths of the overall business continue in July, and we actually believe to have a shot at reaching our original 
pre-COVID plan for Q3. So far, we seem to indeed be on track, and this is very encouraging indeed. This obviously assumes that the COVID-19 virus situation in Europe does not worsen again significantly. We are also working towards commercializing the device in the U.S. market. To that end, we recently announced that the FDA has scheduled a review of the PMA for reducer at the October 27, 2020 Circulatory System Devices Panel Meeting. Needless to say, we are pleased with the FDA's invitation and are looking forward to working with the panel in October. Also during the quarter, we announced positive interim results from the Reducer 1 study of refractory angina patients. The primary efficacy endpoint of the study is improvement in chest pain or angina as measured by the Canadian Cardiovascular Society grading system. 70% of patients saw improvement in their symptoms by at least one CCS class that was maintained through three years. Over and above this, 34% of patients saw an improvement in their symptoms by at least two CCS classes that was also maintained through three years. We believe data like these support the reducer as the only available device to effectively treat refractory angina. Moving on to the chair of value creation strategies. During the second quarter, we advanced our CEMOC submission for the transapical chair of TA under the current medical device directive regulations in Europe. We have active, ongoing discussions with our notified body and we are encouraged with the interactions to date. As a result of the COVID-19-related travel restrictions and limited support, we have placed CHERA 2 enrollment on a temporary hold. We do not expect the trial status to impact the timing of our approval decision in Europe, which we currently expect in the first half of 2021. We are also continuing to develop the next-generation transfemoral TRA TF device. We made significant progress in the second quarter on this front as well, with the completion of several animal implants. We have received positive feedback from top cardiologists in Europe, Canada, and the United States related to device retrievability, the low profile of the system, and the novel V-shape of the implant. We continue to believe in the potential of the transfemoral Chera TF to expand the size of the market and to be more broadly usable than competitive systems under development, as well as broader usable compared to our own Chera transapical system. Importantly, we remain focused on a first human implant in the first half of 2021 a slight delay against our original plan due to COVID-19-related inefficiencies and delayed key supplier deliveries, including delayed animal implant opportunities. We are enthused by the progress we are seeing on the CHERA-TF device and recent feedback we have received from leading physicians in the field. Overall, we are very pleased with the quarter 
Under trying circumstances, our reducer implant recovered sharply in June, and we believe this is a testament to the efficacy of the device, as well as the unmet need it fulfills. We also made tangible and significant progress on the other value creation strategies and believe we have put the building blocks in place to advance NEOVAC's value creation strategies for the balance of the year and into 2021. I will now turn the call over to Chris to discuss our financial results. Thank you, Frank. Bringing each of the second quarter of 2020 to $284,000 compared to revenues of $440,000 for the same period in 2019, a decrease of 35%, which can be attributed to the impact of COVID-19. As Fred pointed out in his remarks, despite a year-over-year decrease related to the impact of COVID-19, physician interest in reducers are recovering sharply, and we are poised to capitalize on the favorable underlying market dynamics when the market returns to normalcy. Cost of goods sold in the second quarter of 2020 was $75,000 compared to $67,000 for the same period of 2019, and the gross margin was 74% compared to 85% for the prior year period a decrease of 11% principally driven by lower volumes in the second quarter of 2020. Total expenses for the second quarter of 2020 were $8.9 million compared to $7 million for the same period in 2019, representing a year-over-year increase of 27%. General administrative expenses for the quarter were $3.8 million compared with $2.5 million for the second quarter of 2019, principally driven by an increase in legal expenses as we retired the 2017 months and raised additional debt and equity financings, and by an increase in employee-related expenses. Product development and clinical trials expenses were $4.6 million, compared with $4.1 million for the second quarter of 2019, principally driven by an increase in development costs for the reducer and TI, and also by an increase in employee-related expenses. The operating loss and compensative loss for the second quarter of 2020 were $8.7 million and $12.2 million respectively, or 81 cents basic and diluted loss per share, as compared with $6.6 million and $8.0 million respectively, or $1.17 basic and diluted loss per share for the same period in 2019. In the second quarter of 2020, the company recorded book entries of approximately $3.5 million related to the accounting treatment and valuation of our convertible notes, compared to $1.3 million in the second quarter of 2019. Near-bus finances operations and capital expenditures with cash generated from operations and directly in debt financing. The company had approximately $11.5 million in cash and cash equivalents at June 30th of 2020. The company expects that it will have sufficient cash on hand to sustain operations until mid-October at the current burn rate. Given the current nature of the capital markets due to the impact of COVID-19, the company can give no assurance that it will be able to obtain additional funds as needed in terms of available to the company or at all. As of today's date, the company has 17.6 million common shares issued not standing and a fully diluted share count of 29.1 million shares. We have completed an enormous amount of work to clean up our capital structure and fund the company's development needs. And we believe that the intrinsic value of the reducing tiara 
will be better reflected in our overall market capitalization in the future as we reach key milestones for each product. Back to you, Fred. Thank you, Chris, and thank you all for listening to our opening remarks. We are continuing to make great progress with our four value creation strategies. Reduce of orders in Europe recovered sharply in June, and we believe we are well positioned to continue the momentum for this unique product in Europe. In the United States, the FDA has given us a definitive date for a panel review of our PMA. Regarding our Tierra device, we advanced our application for CE mark designation in the European Union for the Tierra TA during the quarter. We are making great progress with the new Tierra TF, having completed further animal implants during the quarter, and are targeting first and human implants in the first half of 2021 as well. While we received very positive feedback from and created real excitement with leading cardiology experts in the structural heart space after showing them our transfemoral Tierra system during the quarter. We have accomplished all of this during very challenging times, and I would like to thank our dedicated employees for an outstanding performance this quarter. I would also like to thank our loyal investors for their continued confidence in us. We continually strive to create value for our shareholders, and we believe the results we have just reported demonstrate that. With that, and I'll turn it over to the operator for any questions. Thank you. We'll now be conducting a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. Please ask one question and one follow-up question and requeue for additional questions. First question is from Ahu Demir, Noble Capital. Please go ahead. Hello, team. Thank you very much for taking my question. I'll start with the reducer. Since you've seen some reduction in the revenues, would you provide some uh, maybe guidance for the full year of 2020 on the revenues for the reducer product? Yes, hi, Anu. This is Fred. This is Fred. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Fred. How are you? Very, very good. So on the reducer revenue, we obviously saw a quite a dramatic impact uh, virus, COVID-19 virus-related in the second quarter. It started uh, in the second half of March, and it was pretty dramatic in April and May. And then we saw a very sharp recovery in June, as well as a very strong July performance. Uh, so, uh, with, with that, we actually believe we have a shot at reaching our original pre-COVID Q3 plan for revenue of the reducer. So, that is actually a pretty strong statement. I mean, uh, I believe that many companies are saying that in the third quarter there still will be an impact rate to the virus, and we're basically saying that we believe we have a shot at reaching our pre-COVID plan for Q3 as it relates to reducer revenue. Obviously, if that is the case, we believe that to be the case as well for the fourth quarter. Now, that 
all means, obviously, that that all assumes, obviously, are that, you know, there should not be any, you know, serious worsening of the COVID virus situation, in particular in Europe. Otherwise, these numbers will be impacted again. But uh, in the current situation, we believe we have a shot at the Q3 revenues as originally planned, as well as a shot at the Q4 revenues. So that means for the year, there would be an impact only, uh, you know, as we just reported for the second quarter. Um, I think that actually is a pretty strong performance, um, given that uh, there has been dramatic impact uh, because of the COVID uh, to many, many medtech businesses around the globe. Thanks for your answer, Fred. Uh, I'll just have a follow-up question on the FDA meeting. Could you please highlight for us maybe the expectations from this meeting, what we should expect, and what are the strategies that you plan to conduct following that? Yeah, so, um, you know, panel meetings, um, you know, are, are well-established uh, practice at FDA. Uh, in particular, new therapies have to go through a panel discussion. Uh, there's going to be presentations by physicians. There's going to be representation by the industry and by patients. Uh, at the panel meeting, the FDA will uh, present information from their side, uh, their views, uh, as well as their ideas about uh, where the reducer stands. Uh, there will be strong presentations uh, by, uh, like I said, physicians, uh, industry, and patients. Uh, and then the panel uh, will uh, debate uh, the, uh, the pros and the cons, the, the efficacy and the safety profile of the reducer, and that will end with uh, basically a recommendation from the panel as to uh, an approval or not by the FDA. So basically, the outcome will be a panel uh, vote and a panel discussion and panel um, decision um, on October 27 as to what the panel believes uh, is, the, is the right outcome for the reduce. And that recommendation, that vote, will then go to the FDA, and then the FDA will make its own final determination after uh, receiving the the um, the outcome of the panel discussion and the uh, ultimate uh, vote from the panel. So that is what will happen that day. Uh, we are uh, heavily preparing for this day with the FDA. Uh, we have engaged a professional organization that is extremely well-versed uh, and experienced in conducting panel meetings. Uh, with the FDA, so we are being guided and supported and helped by a professional organization uh, to prepare for this, uh, and we are going through an enormous amount of work uh, to prepare for this day in a very comprehensive and detailed manner. As you can see, uh, you know, we in principle have a, a parallel path going on in the company. We have a very active schedule and a lot of active work going on as it relates to the reducer and, uh, and this potential uh, reducer PMA approval in the U.S., while in parallel we also have discussion and ongoing um, interactions with the notified body in Europe for a CE mark of our transapical chair device. So we're actually, I don't know if, if the audience realizes this, but we actually have a dual track uh, of, uh, of um, procedural um, uh, activities going on on the regulatory side for approvals both uh, in the U.S. and in Europe, and that's running completely in parallel. So for a small company like us, that is a huge effort, uh, and therefore when you hear uh, Chris talk about we see an uptick in some of the expenses, 
Uh, it obviously is also related to that, that we are on a very active and uh, busy stage uh, to prepare for these regulatory approval processes uh, on, on both continents for these two products. Um, on the other hand, you know, you can also say this is actually a very exciting uh, scenario uh, because we are working on a potential approval for the Tierra in Europe and for the reducer in the U.S. at the same time. So that is a uh, pretty exciting uh, proposition. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for taking my question. I want to allow other people to ask questions as well. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Owl. As a reminder, if anyone would wish to ask a question, press star 1 on your telephone keypad. That's star 1. Gentlemen, there are no further questions at this time. This does conclude today's conference. You may disconnect your lines and thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.